Heavenly Father, as we come now to the preaching of your word tonight, I am going to give, Lord, a very pastoral and practical message tonight as this is the time of the year that many, many decisions are being made. Folks are graduating from high school, graduating from college, making plans for summer, making plans for marriage, uh, making plans for their future. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would see that every decision that we make, no matter how small they may seem, they are very significant. They're very important. And I pray that you would allow me as I would preach the word of God tonight to be of some spiritual and scriptural guidance and, Lord, help in our decision-making. Some of us, Lord, will make the decision to simply stay put and continue the work you've called us to do. Others will change places of service. And I pray, Lord, for wisdom. Help me as I preach. Help us as we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look again at what I'll refer to as the text verses for the message tonight. And that's beginning in verse number 7 where the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I like those words. I hunger for wisdom. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read three verses from Galatians chapter 5 and the message tonight entitled Making Wise Decisions, Galatians 5, verse number 6, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Somehow we get the idea if I've got a major decision, I better get close to the Lord. The truth is when you get up in the morning, you better get close to the Lord. Whether you have a major decision or a minor decision, the Bible doesn't say get serious, it major decisions, but he says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, uh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. One of the great concerns, and I may even use the word fear of my life, is making decisions, decisions that would affect other people, or helping others in making decisions. As a pastor, I have to make decisions that will affect not only my life, but others from families to children to our community. Through these 35 years, I've had many decisions to make. There have been times in my 35 years as a pastor, I've served two churches, five years in Hazard and almost 30 years here. 
there have been times that folks have asked me, would you consider moving to our state and being our pastor? Would you ask God if it is his will? Would you ask the Lord if it would be his will that you be the director of our ministry? When facing such requests, I always think not just of how the decision would affect me, but how it would affect my family, how it would affect our church family. I recall making the decision to come to Lexington some 30 years ago. It was a most difficult decision, but the most important decision of my ministry. I want to give you this evening some guidance in making wise decisions from the Word of God. There's so many decisions to read about in process of decisions in the Bible. I think often of when the prophet Samuel went to choose the replacement for King Saul. And he had the sons of Jesse before him. And when Eliab stood before him, a big man, he no doubt reminded him of King Saul and he made the statement, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. However, God told him, Samuel, you're looking on the outside. I'm looking on the inside. This is not the man. I love the process of the decision making. There had to be a yieldedness in the heart of Samson. I'm sorry, of Samuel. There had to be a willingness to say to himself, I'm wrong and God's right. Samuel made the right decision and of course you know the story David was brought in and he was anointed as the next king. I think of Jehoshaphat as he was a good king in the land of Judah. Uh, one, of the neighboring, uh, uh, one of the neighboring cities or countries was that of Moab. Moab was always an enemy of right, of righteousness and the people of God. Jehoshaphat was a wise man and he had secured the borders but one day and by the way that's wise of any nation to secure the borders and you find that uh, in the scripture uh, one day Ahab who was the king of Israel uh, to his north he offered his assistance to Jehoshaphat now it seemed like a good alliance however Ahab and especially his wife Jezebel was corrupting the nation of Israel with Baal worship. They hadn't just forgotten God, they were worshiping other gods. And that alliance, though it seemed to work for a while to protect the border from Moab, Jehoshaphat's son married Jezebel's daughter and she brought the worship of Baal to Judah and while it was not destroyed from the outside, the nation was destroyed from the inside because he made a bad decision. It was a bad decision for David to stay home from battle in a day that kings went forth to battle. Sometimes we have to go when we're tired. Sometimes we have to do right when we don't feel like doing right, right decisions. I'm going to give you several statements tonight. I'm not going to tell you how many because you'll think I can't finish this sermon in an hour and a half, but I promise you I can. First of all, I want to say in making a wise decision, we must be committed to the will of God. That's where it begins. We must be committed to the will of God. 
doesn't matter what I see, what I think, how I feel, what I understand. I want to do the will of God. My commitment to the will of God is shown by the company that I keep. I said the commitment to the will of God is shown by the company I keep and the things that I put in my eyes and my ears. That shows my commitment to the will of God. May I say tonight, nobody loves us or wants best for us like our Heavenly Father does. You know, sometimes our fathers see further and more than we see and understand more. And sometimes while we don't understand, we must trust the Father because we know the Father wants what's best for us. Romans chapter 12, those verses, they say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. My commitment to the will of God is indicated by the company I keep. I can't be conformed to the world and be in the will of God at the same time. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Not my will, but God's will. Even the Lord Jesus said, not my will, but God's will, but the Father's will be done. We must know the word of God to have the mind of God. I don't understand folks getting counsel from somebody else that haven't sought counsel in the word of God. I want you to take your Bibles and we've got to go quickly to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want you to notice these two verses. If I'm going to make right decisions, I must be committed to the will of God. God doesn't exist to give me what I want. He exists for his will to be accomplished. I exist to do the will of the Father. Now, if we're not going to do God's will and seek the will of God, uh, we're on our own and life's not going to turn out well. But if we'll commit to the will of God, he'll direct us and guide us. 1 Peter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. The Lord Jesus, the Bible says, always did those things that pleased the Father. You'll not find the right mate. You'll not find the right job. You'll not find the right place to live unless you're seeking to do the will of God. I didn't preach anything else tonight and I stopped right there and I'm not going to. I'm just getting warmed up. Uh, But if I did tonight, that would be worth our hearing when the Bible tells us to arm ourselves with the same mind that Christ had. Though he suffered, he did the will of the Father and the will of the Father is what's best for every person. Number two, has someone made this decision before? I have a decision to make. I'm asking the question, has someone made this decision before? Is there someone in the Bible that has made uh, this decision? 
Has there someone that decided to do what they wanted rather than what their parents requested of them? And they married out of the will of God rather than in the will of God. And Samson can blame the women all he wants to, but Samson's the one that made the decision. It didn't work out for him. Did somebody make this decision already? For example, has there, is there any example of somebody being in the wrong place? Well, sure there is. Peter was in the wrong place. He was around the wrong crowd. He warmed his hands with the enemy's fire and he ended up being out of the will of God and it brought great misery. It did not bring joy to his life. Is there somebody that's already made this decision? Joseph believed in the will of God even though it took him to a pit, even though it took him to a prison, even though it took him through false accusations. He held on to the will of God even when others tried to hurt him. He said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He held on to the will of God. Moses believed in the will of God. The Bible said he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt for a time and for a season. The Bible said he esteemed the riches of Christ. He esteemed the things of God, greater riches than all of the wealth of Egypt. Has somebody made this decision before? If somebody's made this decision right, I see the result. If somebody made this decision wrong, I see the result. I'm going to follow their example. Has somebody else made this decision? What happens when teenagers disobey their parents? What happens in the Bible when folks say, that's my inheritance, I'll do what I want. I'll go where I want. I'll spend it the way I want. How did that work out? It'd be a whole lot easier if I just looked to see what others did if they made that decision right or wrong. I'll give you the third thing. Be clear on the motive of the decision. Each of these I think I could teach a lesson on on Wednesday night. But, but, but here's something I want to warn us about. Sometimes... We do ourselves injustice by allowing a bad motive, a motive that we're not willing to look at the real reason or the real motive to make a decision. Do you know I can't always trust my heart? can't always trust my heart. I have to be clear on the motive of decision. I was preaching in a distant state a few weeks ago. My ride was a young man. Uh, my ride to church from the motel was a young man that had been a member of our church and had attended our college. I looked forward to seeing him and I enjoyed the fellowship and have communicated uh, with them since. He told me this and I'm repeating what he said as we were driving to church. He said, Preacher, I've met a lot of folks in the military who came here to escape the will of God. He said it's a bad place to try to escape the will of God. I'm going to tell you what he said. Though military service is an honorable service, it has to be the will of God for you to enjoy the military service. Now don't you misunderstand me. I'm not preaching against military service. I'm telling you what he said. And I agree with what he said. I want you to listen to this statement. 
We've heard the statement, it's never right to do wrong to do right. How many of you ever heard that statement? Never right to do wrong to do right. We could also say it's never right to do a right to do wrong. It's never right to do a right to do wrong. There's no right place to escape the will of God. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying military services. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying what he said, and I've seen it happen. I, I have known men that became a pastor of a church to get away from a bad situation thinking, well, this is a good thing. It's never right to do right to do wrong. We have to judge the motives of our heart. Sometimes doing right's a tough thing to do. It wasn't easy for Joseph to do right, but he made the decision, I'm going to do right, and in the end, God blessed his life. Saul spared Agag of the Amalekites. God told him, I want you to destroy all of them. I want you to destroy the animals. The Bible says that God spared Agag, and he saved some of the animals. The prophet went down. He said, did you do what God said to do? He said, I sure did. He said, did you kill all the enemy? He said, I did. He said, did you kill all of, the, all of the animals that belonged to the enemy? He said, I sure did. And the prophet said, I, I, I hear the bleeding of sheep. But what is that? Oh, he said, I saved some of those to sacrifice to God. You know what he was doing? He was using a right to justify a wrong. Is it wrong to sacrifice to God? Absolutely not. But that's not what God told him to do. God didn't say, I want you to go destroy the enemy and take their animals and make a sacrifice to me. What Saul did, he justified because he was going to use a part. Are you listening to me? Is that registering in our heart? Because I'm saying tonight, we have to judge the motive of our heart to say, why do I want to do this? Why is this before me? What is the motive of this decision? Ask God to help you to be clear on the motive of your decision. Had you lived in Bethlehem, Judah in the time of famine and you talked to Elimelech and Elimelech said, Look, I know this is the place of God. I know that. We're going to Moab, but it, just for a little while. I can't let my family starve to death. I can't let my family go without food and water. And sometimes we exaggerate a bit. And he said, I'm not moving down there. I'm just going to sojourn a little bit. And then I'm coming home. You know what he did? He used a right. We're supposed to provide for our families, aren't we? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says a man doesn't work and provide for his family, has denied the faith and worse than an infidel. So is Elimelech justified to take his family to Moab? No. God said, I don't want you to go down there. A famine is not to show uh, that God sometimes runs low on resources. It's to show you that in the times of difficulty, I can meet your need. We know the story of Elimelech, but he used a right to do a wrong that complicated the wrong in his life. And so let's be clear on the motives of our decision. Let me give you the fourth thing. What's a long-term result of the decision? Is it good or is it bad? Don't just look at what the decision will bring right now. Look at what the decision will bring in two years, 
or three years or five years? Where will this decision have me in five years? I've known those who determined to marry a saved person, but they fell in love with someone not saved, and they said, I'll win them to Christ. And I know somebody that did that, and it worked. And for everybody you know that did that and it worked, a thousand it did not work and it was just as God said it was. And so we have to think about what's the long-term result of this decision. We so much make decisions like Jacob who was hungry. Hungry, think about this. He said, I'll give you my birthright if you'll just give me a mess of pottage. The Bible says this. I wish we had time to look at it. Write this reference down. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Bible is saying here, don't look at what will be the result today, tomorrow or next week. Look to see what the result will be in a year or two or five or ten years. Some of you are making decisions where you and your young bride will spend your life in the next few years. Make that decision in the will of God. Some of you are looking at a place to buy, a house to live in. You're making decisions that will affect your life and will affect your family and your children to come. Make sure you make the decision in the will of God. Don't look at just the finances today. Finances are a part of our life. I understand that. We can't ignore the fact that we have to have money to live and care for our family. But I don't want finances to make every decision of life. There are times that faith says, don't look at the finance today. Look at right. Let God take care of you in the future. What will be the long-term result of your decision? Number five, this is important. Look for the heart of God in your decision. Look for the heart. Now, 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 now think about this. I've heard many people say through the years, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this. I can do what I want. You know, there's some things the Bible doesn't say anything for or against, but knowing the heart of God gives me an idea of what God wants. For example, I know God is a holy God. Also know that he is a jealous God. God doesn't want to share me. God doesn't want to be first on my list. He wants to be me. He wants to be the only one on my list. So, if I know the heart of God, it makes an impact in the decisions that I make. There are some behaviors and actions that are not forbidden specifically in the scripture. However, the behavior is forbidden if you know the heart of God. We often ask this question, what's wrong with this? Let me ask you a question, what's right with it? What's the benefit? What's the profit? What's the blessing? What's the good? Sometimes folks have taken jobs that have taken their hearts away from God. They don't have any energy to give God. They don't have any time to give God. And then sometimes they'll justify it and say, well, I just increased my tithe. Now, everybody's supposed to tithe. I appreciate the two faint agreements I had when I said <laughs> we're supposed to tithe. Everybody's supposed to tithe. 
But we all, we're also supposed to give some time, some talent to give. We're supposed to be faithful to God. We ought to, we ought to have a place of service to God. James chapter 4 talks about friendship with the world. Anything that would show a friendship is something that shows support for or encouragement to or approval of. I don't want to be a friend, supporter, encourager, approver of something that is at enmity with God. The Bible says in James chapter 4, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with Christ. I don't want my vocabulary to say, wow, that was a worldly statement. That's friendship with the world. I'm supporting the world that hates the God that loves me. And I don't want to do that. I, want to, I, don't, I don't want to make a decision in life. I don't want to make a decision in life that hurts the heart of God. Number six, get educated about the decision. Be educated about the decision. What will this decision cost me in time and money? What will this decision do for my testimony with others? What will this decision do to help or hinder the work of the Lord? How does this decision compare in temporal or eternal? Is there anything hidden here that I don't see? Is there anything perhaps that I should ask someone older or wiser? I think of the decision David made to number the army of Israel. You understand God said, I don't want you to number them. And the reason being, he didn't want them to brag and say, I don't know how many soldiers you folks have got, but we've got 400,000 foot soldiers, and we've got 10,000 chariots, and we've got a half a million horsemen. God said, you don't trust in them anyway. You trust in me. So I don't want you to number them. The Bible says David numbered the people. It seemed innocent. But it was a temptation of his pride and of his flesh. And boy, did God ever judge him? Did God ever punish him for that behavior? It is important that I think about, that I get educated about the decision I'm making. Let me give you the next statement, which I believe is the seventh. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. The Bible says there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand that. That doesn't mean there's safety in asking 200 people the same question. Because eventually I'll find somebody to tell me what I want to hear. Safety in a multitude of counselors is just like what our government would follow or should follow in that, that they have a cabinet of counselors. They pick the best or the wisest when it comes to commerce, when it comes to trade, when it comes to secretary of state. Boy, am I using a rough example now. Uh, what we're supposed to be. But there's a cabinet of counselors. Safety in a multitude of counselors doesn't mean I ask a hundred people the same question. It means I find the wisest person on this subject to ask of their counsel and find somebody that knows this Bible and somebody that has a personal relationship with God that would help guide in the decision. Number eight, seek wisdom. This is a very simple statement, but I, I want to make it. It seems profound to me, uh, but, but, but here's, a, here's a statement. Wise decisions are made by wise people. I want to increase my wisdom all the time when and when I'm not making decisions. Uh, my Bible reading or Bible listening right now this morning uh, went into First Chronicles. 
Now, First Chronicles tells a lot about families and uh, who they begat, who their children were, and all of that. It's an amazing thing as I listen through that scripture again and again and again and again. I'm just adding tidbits of wisdom all the time. I'm finding examples. I'm finding the heart of God. I'm finding principles, always putting them in my mind. Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8 that wisdom desires to be found, to be looked for? The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse number 8, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Ask God to make you a wise Christian. I'm not talking about a wisdom to win a trophy. I'm talking about wisdom just to lead our families to be in the will of God. I'm not talking about wisdom to win a competition or a contest. I'm talking about wisdom that keeps me out of the snares of Satan and out of the, out of the traps of the world and of the devil and keeps me walking in the will of God and keeps our church moving forward and winning people to Christ and doing the work of God. Number nine. All of these, I've said the same thing. I wish I could stay here 30 minutes. I'm just making the statement, giving an example and moving on. Number nine, learn your options. I ask everybody this question. What are your options? Making a decision. But I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Elimelech thought he had two choices. I can stay in Bethlehem, Judah, where there's a famine going on and be hungry for the next little while. Or I can go to Moab and I can make money, I can take care of my family, and then I can move back. Those are my two choices. You know what he didn't do? He didn't give God any options for another choice. Now hear what I'm about to tell you. I serve a God that maketh a way. So there may be more options than appear to be options but I never know what those options are until I trust in the Lord. Children of Israel, they leave Egypt. They're headed toward Canaan. They face the Red Sea. Here's what it appears. We either are going to drown in that water or we're going to be killed by the enemy behind us. How do you want to die? That's what they're thinking. Those are the only two choices. They go to Moses. You know what Moses does? The Bible doesn't say he prayed to God. The Bible said Moses went before God and he cried and he wept. He thought we're having to make a decision between drowning or being killed. But God said, I'm a God that maketh the way. I got some ideas you didn't have. I want you to line them up and get ready to march forward. Well, it sounds like we're going to die by drowning. So here we go. God parted the waters. Let me tell you something. You never find that. You never find God's will until you're committed to do what faith says to do. We serve a God that makes a way. Number 10. Don't allow anything but right to put pressure on you. Don't allow anything but right to put pressure on you. Jehoshaphat felt the pressure of Ahab. Jehoshaphat felt the need to secure the border between Judah and Moab. 
He let the wrong thing pressure him. He should have said, God, what's the right thing to do? Well, God said, you know, it's not right to have an alliance with a heathen. You know, that's not right. Well, God, what am I supposed to do? It looks like I don't have any choices but to trust you. God said, well, that's not a bad idea. Don't let, don't, don't let the world put pressure on you. Let right put pressure on you. I'm not going to stand before the world when I die. I'm going to stand before God and give an account according to the will of God in my life and the word of God. Amen. Number 11, make the decision. Indecision is one. Procrastination is not delaying a decision. It is the decision. Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Proverbs 12, 24, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Now, uh, Proverbs 20, verse number 4, The sluggard will not plow by reason. He uses excuses of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. He said, I don't know what to do. It's too cold to plow and always got excuses. So he ends up begging. And what he should have done is uh, forget the excuse and just do what's right to do. You're going to like point number 12 in closing. Let's make good and right decisions. Let's make good and wise decisions for our lives. Your life is not your life. It's God's. And it's all of those that are in God's will connected to your life. Stand with me, if you will. I trust these thoughts and these Bible principles will help us in making wise decisions. Heavenly Father, as I meet with folks day after day, week after week, Lord, I fear making wrong decisions. A hunger for the truths and the principles of the Bible. A hunger for those. Oh God, we want to please you. And Lord, making decisions is not an easy task. There are young men and young ladies going into ministry. Lord, there are folks that have recently become a widow or a widower. Their decisions, Lord, they're, they're difficult to make. God, I pray that you would protect them from the devil that would misguide and mislead them. I pray for wisdom on their behalf. Lord, I pray that you would bless those that are going through stages of life, changes. I pray that you'd give them wisdom, help us to remember to seek you and your will first. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. He